forward. Okay, we are live. Welcome to Hey Siri, a podcast about psychology, relationships, and most importantly, piping hot tea. Sit down, take a sip, and remember to subscribe as resident pop culture expert Zochi and struggling PhD student Siri take you through the what, why, and how of relationship research and what that means for your non-scientifically researched relationships. All of this research is coming out all the time, but academic literature can be intimidating and difficult to connect to real life. So let us do it for you. Siri will tell us all about what research is taking the psychology world by storm. On today's episode, she will tell us all about sleep and relationships. Does co-sleeping help or hurt sleep quality? Could cuddling be the solution to your insomnia? After hearing the research and evidence for or against sleeping with a partner, Zoji will baselessly speculate on people we do not know, celebrities. Today, Zoji will be discussing the many couples who have made the decision to sleep separately and have Siri rate their setups. Hmm, I'm excited for that. <laughs> I'm gonna be a little less, um, little less effusive today because I am still recovering from wisdom tooth surgery, but I am so excited to talk about this because I found a really good article. Yeah, thank you for still recording. I know that was a, you know, <laughs> mouth-based surgery when it comes to podcasting is <laughs> a conundrum. It's a rough one. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's all good. And I found this, actually found really, two really interesting articles. Um, and I decided to use this one just because they had really clear results. And the other article was looking at, like, um, how fighting decreases, or how, how not sleeping can make you fight more. Which, for me, I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get grumpy all the time when I'm tired. Yeah, but this one was something that I didn't expect, and unfortunately, the title is going to spoil it, (laughs) but I'll just get to it. So, um, the title of this article is, Couple Relationships Are Associated with Increased REM Sleep, a Proof-of-Concept Analysis of a Large Data Set Using Ambulatory Polysomnography. So, this paper was by Henning Johannes Drews and Annika Drews. And it was a brief research report published in Frontiers in Psychiatry in 2021. We love research. So, I know, yes, it was May. So it wasn't even like the beginning really. Oh, it was halfway through. (laughs) So I think we all know how important REM sleep is. But just to reiterate, REM sleep, so deep sleep, is the key to maintaining like so many brain and body functions and avoiding illness. It's been associated, so lack of REM sleep, I think, has been associated with um, onset of schizophrenic episodes. And um, lack of REM sleep has been associated with depression, um, anxiety, stress, and REM sleep, successful REM sleep, has been associated with like consolidating your memory and like emotion regulation. So it's very very important. important. (laughs) Very important. And Especially with its ties to mental health disorders, it's like a really big interest for the field of psychiatry. They're like all about REM sleep. Um, And the problem is that it's really delicate and easily interrupted by like situational and environmental factors. So like um, someone knocking on your door um, will easily bring you up REM sleep, you know, heat, temperature, things like that. So very delicate. But 
very little research has actually looked at the social sleep environment. Um, so basically the effect of sleeping with someone else on the quality of your sleep. Um, and there were two studies that did explore this link, and they found that co-sleeping couples had increased and stabilized REM sleep when they slept together as compared to when they slept apart. But this is a difficult one because they didn't have a control group. Like, they didn't have a group of people that just, like, didn't sleep with anyone else regularly, and then a group of people that, like, did co-sleep with people regularly. Instead, they like had the co-sleeping couples sleep as normal and then separated them for a night oh. and were like, look, they slept worse. Whoops. <laughs> right. So they could just be like, this isn't where I normally so, like, sleep or how I normally sleep. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it could be just that like their regular sleeping environment was changed and that's stressful and odd and they didn't sleep as well. So, hard to tell. So, so in you know, with those studies, even though they did look at it, it's actually impossible to make the conclusion or to make the conclusion that co-sleeping is beneficial in general because it could just be that those couples were stressed because they had them sleep apart. So, the authors designed this current experiment to answer the question: Do couple relationships actually have a positive effect on REM sleep in general? Um, and optimistically, their hypothesis was that stable couple relationships would be associated with higher levels of REM sleep as compared to not being in such a relationship. And they also had like a second, like less grand hypothesis that there wouldn't be um, any changes in other sleep in other sleep cycles associated with marital status. So like REM sleep would be the only thing affected by co-sleeping with a partner. So not like how easy it is to fall asleep or stay asleep. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we normally start by looking at their participants and we can do that here. In this case, they used a really big archival data set. So that's one that's already been collected. Um, participants who were exactly or under 40 years of age and did not have sleep apnea were recruited from 1995 to 1998, and these efforts resulted in 6,362 polysomnographies. I'm not a sleep researcher. That's a rough one. With <laughs> acceptable data quality, and these came from 138 individuals, 69 of whom were married and 69 of whom were never married, so equal sample. Um, so like this, this sample was collected for another experiment originally. So like the sleep apnea thing was because they were interested in looking at sleep apnea. They also had like an over-representation of people who snored because <laughs> they were interested in that. Uh, snoring actually comes in later with the sleep setups too. So that's interesting. Oh yeah. So although it was never mentioned and we've run into this before, I assume all couples were heterosexual because they never actually gave the number of males and females, so it was probably just half and Yeah, half. I think they'd mention it. Yeah. So, what actually are polysomnographies? Well, <laughs> we usually just call them sleep studies because it's easier to say. And basically, researchers stick a bunch of sensors on you that track things like brain waves, eye movements, muscle tone, 
um, oxygen saturation and heart rhythm while you sleep. So there's more to it than that, but like basically they cover your whole body and sensors. So what the wires do you think affect the sleep? (laughs) It's not, it's actually not that invasive because like they strap the wires to you um, very closely. So it's not like there's a bunch of wires moving around you while you're trying to sleep. Like you can still curl up and stuff. Right. All right. Yeah. So it shouldn't be that, that invasive. No. Yeah. They don't strap you down. (laughs) And like, yeah, no, they don't strap you down. And the whole point or part of the point of this was they said they used ambulatory polysonography, which means that they actually did this in the participants' homes Hmm. so that there'd be no other changes in their sleep environment. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So the researchers were specifically interested in the number of REM sleep periods. So the number of sleep cycles that people had the duration of their sleep cycles, and REM sleep fragmentation, so any disruptions in REM sleep. And in addition to the polysomnographies, they collected sociodemographic information, like age, marital status, ethnicity, and education level. And they also um, did a comprehensive assessment of subjective health called the SF36. And they had participants rate themselves on different health domains, like physical functioning, body pain, energy, or fatigue and all of that. And they used those in their analyses just to make sure that their participants were evenly matched and that there was nothing crazy going on (laughs) that would affect their sleep. They also looked at body mass index, daytime sleepiness, and the use of antidepressants and benzodiazepines because those can affect your sleep. Of course. So what did they find? Well, After they spent about two pages talking about a fancy statistics procedure they used called propensity score matching to make sure that their married and unmarried participants were properly matched and didn't differ significantly on characteristics that may affect sleep other than being married, which is very important. They ran more statistical analyses and found that married individuals spent significantly more time in REM sleep compared to never married individuals. Um, They also found that the other sleep stages weren't affected by marital status and unexpectedly that there was actually no significant difference in the number of REM sleep fragmentations between married and unmarried people. So they're each getting interrupted in the night as much as the other one? Exactly. So whether or not you sleep with a partner, your sleep is going to be interrupted about the same amount. Hmm. Yeah. So their results are very generalizable and valid. Because they used in-home polysomnography, so there's no real changes in the participants' regular sleeping arrangement, and they had a very diverse sample. And basically, like, the conclusion is that couple relationships do promote REM sleep, which is, like, really, really good for you. Um, And they don't really affect any of the other sleep stages, Um, you know, like light sleep which isn't as important for maintaining health they don't affect like how long it takes you to get to sleep or wake up and the researchers suggested that there may be like three mechanisms behind this finding so it could be like a combination of all three or just one of the three so they proposed that possibly sleeping alone is just stressful and sleeping with a partner is soothing so just having someone close to you is kind of like um, makes you less stressed and like you know babies sleep better when they're next to their mom of course <laughs> like something like that <laughs> 
They also suggested that sleeping with someone else actually stabilizes your body temperature during a time when it's harder to stabilize it on your own because during REM sleep, um, it's much harder for you to stabilize your body temperature so you can get like hotter or too cold and that can make your sleep worse. Like it won't allow you to go into deep sleep for as long. And then they also suggested that a partner might provide social cues that influence your circadian rhythm and then that influences your REM sleep. So basically like you're more likely to go to sleep when you're sleepy if your partner does. You're peer pressuring right? each like other. Those social cues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I thought these were interesting because I felt like maybe like specifically with sleeping with someone else stabilizes your body temperature i was like oh because you always hear about couples who are like oh i can't get to sleep because they're so hot or Mm -hmm. their toes are so cold so i was like oh this does not match up (laughs) with like anecdotal evidence especially when you live in a place that doesn't really have seasons like we used to live in california and so it's just so hot all the time all the time yeah Yeah, so, I mean, that's an interesting one, but I don't know. And these are just proposed mechanisms, but, like, I mean, the take-home message is sleeping with a partner helps you to sleep better. That makes sense to me. You know, I have always felt like I fall asleep easier and sleep better and feel more rested when I sleep around other people and not even necessarily, like, a partner, like, I don't know, sleepovers, camping trips. Yeah, yeah. This would be anyone. I mean, they said couple relationships, but, like, because couple relationships usually involve consistent sleeping together, but, like, they did mention in the paper that, like, any sort of co-sleeping arrangement is beneficial. Exactly. I mean, we are pack creatures, so I feel like it's comforting to know that there's others around you when you're going to be unconscious. That's so true. That's true. And I guess that's what they mean by the soothing effect of a partner, just that, like, sense of psychological safety. Yeah. I think that's really important. In the back of my head, I'm always thinking, what if there's an emergency? <laughs> well, I just want to know that there's someone I can throw at, like, an arm. <laughs> I can hide behind <laughs> whoever's with me. Take him, not me. <laughs> so it's interesting you say okay. that. Yeah. Because it was hard to find, surprisingly enough, a couple who, like a specific couple that we can go through the timeline of, who shared details about how their sleeping habits affect their relationship. It seems like that may be <laughs> a little kind of specific. too intimate. <laughs> oh, but people share, this, I think, I don't know if it's, that is too intimate, because I feel like people share a lot of really intimate details. It's just like, I think we expect couples to just like sleep together and... Like, sometimes couples talk about, like, when one goes to bed later than the other, but that's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah, and, you know, we can't always be Haley and Justin Bieber who spend all evening together and so supposedly have very similar sleeping (laughs) schedules. We're very different people out here. But I was poking around on the internet, and I did find about a bunch of people who are married or in a long-term relationship and who don't share a bed or even a room. Or a house, in some cases. But that's not good. We know that co-sleeping is really good for you. Yeah, well, uh, some, well, we're going to have you go through these and give them a rating and try not to let that impede your judgment, okay? Okay. Try not to let the scientific evidence impede my judgment. Hey, 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 hey. We're in the pop culture connect here, okay? This is no longer research hour. 
We're just judging here. So some of these couples I was aware of, but I never knew their sleeping arrangements before this, and I feel a lot closer to them now. <laughs> For each couple, I'm going to share some details. Did you get pictures of their bedrooms? Not of their bedrooms, but I did have the couples, because I'm sure you don't know who many of these people are. And there are actually more couples than these. I just left some out because I thought they would be so out of like your realm of interest, like uh, Melania and Donald Trump and Carson Daly. Just and his oh, wife. See, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to know about their sleeping. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. So, um, mm-hmm. for each couple, I'm going to share some details about the couple, just give you an overview of the sitch, and then I'm going to have you rate mm-hmm. their sleeping setup on a scale from one to ten. I was trying to think of a funny scale. Oh my god. But I'm in Google Docs, so I was like, I can only get so creative here. So one to ten. I'm so excited. First up, Courtney Kardashian and Scott Disick. See, I know about them because we talked about them. Yes, and as we all know, Courtney and Scott were together for about nine years. They have three children together and broke up in 2015, all that time ago. Okay, this is so funny because my husband and I have been together for nine years and we have no children. And we didn't do anything in 2015. Just sat there like idiots. You guys are really like (laughs) slacking. I mean, what have you been doing? Getting a PhD? Blech. Uh, Courtney revealed that she and Scott slept in separate rooms because she was co-sleeping with their son, Mason. When they later had their daughter, Penelope, Courtney said the bed became the, quote, family bed, and Scott moved into the guest room. Oh my god. That's not a family bed, then. So that's kind of a rough... Not all of the family is in it. Rough line to draw on the sand there, Court. Also, that's, that's so interesting that, like, you set the standard with the first baby of, like... I, I guess I just, I I'm, I'm interested in where that decision came of, like, yeah, we're going to go co-sleep, but, like, just me. <laughs> because research shows that it's not just moms that get hypersensitive to babies when they have them. Like, moms will be, like, will not sleep, will have lighter sleep when they first have infants, mm-hmm. but also dads will also sleep later and have more awareness of like baby cries to be honest you know that phrase it takes a village to raise a baby is that the full phrase i don't know it takes a village to raise a baby um (laughs) i fully believe that i feel like if anyone is living in a household with a baby they are more sensitive to babies and baby noises and that baby and they're more in tune with them like even siblings um grandparents Mm -hmm. aunts and uncles if they're living with a baby they are you know more in tune with that it changes you like like physiologically almost yeah. like just living with an infant like 24 7 yeah and we're just so hardwired sure. to taking care of you know those little bubs we love them so much yeah so i wonder if it it's not a safety it's if it's not a sleeping safety issue that that she slept co-slept and he didn't if it's like some other issues. Well, she said, quote, with two kids in my bed, Scott had begun sleeping in the guest room, and Scott later tweeted, seemingly to clear this up, <laughs> quote, just want to clear up the reason why we don't sleep in bed together. I'm not a good sleeper, and with Mason in bed, I can't fall asleep. Uh, the kids all eventually... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he says he's not, he's, he must be like a very light sleeper, I guess, if you're having a kid kick you. Mm-hmm. Kids are horrible sleepers, so I can kind of see mm-hmm. that. Um, the kids eventually all started sleeping in their own beds, so maybe they went back to sleeping in the same bed, but that was never confirmed, and, you know, they, they're they not together anymore, so. <laughs> Siri! 
rate that setup. <laughs> so I unfortunately am still going to have to draw on research because I can't stop myself because it's actually not a very healthy thing to co-sleep for an extended period of time for your marriage. Like, it's not a good thing for your marriage. What would you say is the With cutoff? Baby, I think babyhood, maybe two. You know, maybe even younger. Okay. Um, babies can sleep alone. It's good to co-sleep when you're nursing, so maybe when you cut off that nursing, if you do that. But just we know that for married couples... Like, obviously, there's no intimacy going on if you have babies in the bed. And also, just sleeping together and, like, chatting before you go to sleep and then chatting when you wake up. Those are, are moments that are very connecting for couples. Right. And having kids there, like, really interrupts it. That's an important time, I think. You're very vulnerable. Yeah. You're really confused. I'm confused when I am very tired and I'm just waking up or half asleep. Yeah, I mean, like, so the Gottman's big thing is that, like, the first thing you say to your partner in the morning sets the tone for the rest of the day, and they encourage you to, like, like spend 10 minutes in bed, just, like, relaxing before you get up, and, like, oh, I'm going to do this today, because it's just, like, a really good way to connect, and, like, that just can't happen if you have your five-year-old and your seven-year-old and your three-year-old in bed. Yeah. So, so we spend most of our childhood this, just ruining our parents' marriage. <laughs> well, it's different if you, like, bring the kid into bed with you. So if kid wakes up, you know, you can bring them into bed. It's just, like, having them there. And then him sleeping separately, I think, just is another kind of, like, like, I think that's not a not great, especially because it's separating him from the children as well, which right. I, I think is kind of weird. Yeah, that is odd. So he doesn't even have that, like, intimacy and familiarity with the children that, that that might be beneficial for the their bond. That the so mom there's is really getting. Like no benefits for him sleeping alone. Because <laughs> <laughs> also he's gonna sleep worse. Um, I guess I guess maybe if the kids were really um, kicking. I mean, okay. So I'm gonna give it like because because the kids eventually started sleeping in their own beds. I'm gonna give it like a. Four. Ooh, a maybe four. maybe a five because maybe he was like getting kicked in the face by the kids and like he had to that go for fair. his own safety. That is fair. Okay, <laughs> five out of ten. Nice. Yeah. Next up, <laughs> Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker. And actually, these guys almost made it into our long-term relationships episode because they've been together for quite a long time. You would know Matthew from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, in which he played the title character. Um, I don't know oh, yeah. if you're familiar with Sarah, but she's probably best known for playing uh, Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City. I I mean, maybe I've seen her once or twice. She was also in Hocus I, I Pocus. Uh, yeah, I really don't think you've seen anything that she's in. So the couple has been married for over 20 years and have three children together. In 2016, a source reported that the couple practice something called, quote, conscious coupling, uh, sorry, and live in two adjoined townhouses in New York. (laughs) In 2018, in an interview with Us Weekly, Parker said that spending time apart from work is, quote, enormously beneficial. This is interesting. So do you know if they ever sleep together? It wasn't really specified. Um... They do seem like a very loving and caring couple. 
so I would assume that they occasionally visit each other's townhouses and spend time together. Uh, but it wasn't... Mm, they didn't specifically say that. Honestly, because this, like, they specifically said this was a conscious decision that works for them as two individuals and has nothing to do with children and has nothing to do with the quality of their sleep, it seems like for them it's a really good setup. I would give it, like, a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. They have their own houses. (laughs) But, like... Yeah, because, like, I guess if this works for them individually and it's not because of any weird, you know, tension going on, it's not because it's not, like, obstructing either one of them's bond with anyone, like, you know. That is true. um, With the last one, what's his name? He wasn't, like, really able to bond with his kids in the same way. I don't know. It just seems like an interesting individualized situation and it does seem to work with them they've been together for a long time they started dating in the early 90s actually yeah. i find it so yeah. funny I mean, props to them. that you have no idea who sarah jessica parker is i like what else what else has she been in she was in a movie and she was Footloose. in sex and the city oh my god she's been in all the movies <laughs> that <I> would never <laughs> that's <laughs> so funny that's like a game of all itself you know just figuring out what celebrity series yeah. never ever seen before So, next up, Kaylee Cuoco and Carl Cook. This one's kind of awkward. Uh-oh. So, you would know Kaylee from the TV show The Big Bang Theory. Uh, Everyone's had a brush in with that show at one point or another. And (laughs) (laughs) literally every single person in America, according to their numbers. And being one of the highest paid TV actresses of all time, hashtag girlboss. Um... Ooh. As well as her newer series, The Flight Attendant, which I heard was actually just oh incredible. God. I've heard amazing things about I've it. I've been wanting to watch that. Yes. Apparently, she's really, really good in it. She's adorbs. Uh, her husband, Carl, yeah. is an equestrian. Oh, my God. A horse guy. It's so cute. She's a big <laughs> animal person. He's a horse boy. Yeah, and she's a huge animal person. Um, the two oh met gosh. at a horse show, and Kaylee said he had no idea who she was. He was... Very definitely I think he was lying. (laughs) Yes. Not an inkling? (laughs) They got married. Have you ever seen a billboard, bud? (laughs) Uh, They got married. Actually, I don't live near any big cities or televisions. (laughs) I mean, he is an equestrian, so I actually don't know what that life is like. Maybe he doesn't. I just live in the stable. What if he lives on a farm? I'm a simple man. (laughs) A stable man. Uh, They got married in 2018, and basically while I was doing research for this podcast on September 9th, 2021, uh, news broke that they're getting divorced. Oh. So that's awkward. Oh, no. Wait, what do you mean news broke? Like, real news? Yeah. They're in prenup discussions because apparently she got a really ironclad one because, well, for good reason. Oh, that's, oh, that's too bad. Uh, according to fans, friends, and family, the split seemed pretty abrupt, and just about three months ago, they were posting super lovey tributes to each other on Instagram for their anniversary. So, yeah, weird. Oh my god, we are gonna have to do an episode about, about them. I really want to, especially because her relationship with her previous co-star also really fascinated me, and the timing, because she was married in 2015 to a different guy, at you know what? We, we will do an episode on it. We should just do a Big yeah. Bang Theory episode, honestly. 
Oh, why not? that'd be fun. <laughs> it's always fun to do that because, like, I wonder, like, you said that she was dating her co-star for a little bit. Yes, and they're very do good friends. Do you know friends. if there were any other relationships, like, on set that happened? I do not think so. I know that the other star of the show, Jim Parsons, he has been with his husband for a while now, and I think they were together while he was on the show. Um, other than that, I can't really think of any that I heard about, but theirs was a huge deal because it was secret, and uh, after they broke up, their mm-hmm. characters got together. Oh. So, uh... That is That awkward. was incredibly awkward for them, but they're actually still good friends, like, to this day, currently. Um, mm-hmm. So they dealt with that very well, and they've spoken pretty openly about it since, because, like, who cares at this point? <laughs> yeah. Show's over, they're friends, who cares? I, I feel like... Just, like, looking at, like, something like The Big Bang Theory, like, how long did that run? Oh, God. 12 years? 13 years? Over a decade. Okay. So that's, like, that's, like, um, like, a fragment of someone's life, right? And it it would be interesting to look at all the romantic choices that each person made because they're going to be so different. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you mentioned Jim Parsons has been with his partner for the entirety of the show, so, like that's a long-term relationship and then she was dating a co-star and I'm sure other of the main actors were like dating breaking up dating breaking up so like I don't know interesting about the different decisions if we do a big bang theory episode we definitely have to do a friends episode I would do I would do a friends episode but I I have to watch an episode first and same with the office have to watch an episode we should do an episode where it's like 20 minutes of us watching the pilot episode of friends because I don't think you've ever seen it, right? No, I've seen never. it many, many, many times. Uh, as someone who's just into TV and has taken even classes about television, it's such a pivotal point in TV. And I would love to watch it again with you and hear your opinions. Ooh, that'd be fun. We should fine. just do all we the big sitcoms. Yeah, because we have to do Glee then. I can point out everyone's attachment issues, their maladaptive relationship processes, how they're not managing conflicts well. You guys are getting (laughs) a sneak peek into how the sausage gets made. (laughs) But while they were sloppily, while Kaylee and Carl still were still together, they didn't move in together right away. In fact, they lived apart for the first year of their marriage while building their dream house and working on separate projects. Kaylee said on an episode of The View, mm-hmm. I made headlines saying that we don't live together yet and people went crazy. They couldn't believe it. We love it, so I don't know why people have such an issue. They did eventually move in together, but they are obviously currently separated. Siri, write that setup. That's interesting because I feel like the, the main point here is like the same one we talked about long distance relationships, right? So like you're long distance now, but you know that the goal is that you're not going to be long distance and you can see it in the future. And so for them too, it's like they're living apart, but they are building their dream house and they can see living together in the future. Um, And they hadn't dated for very long before they got married. So I can see taking that extra time. Maybe that's what it was because maybe it's just that they didn't date that long they didn't feel ready to make that step for the first year of their marriage and then they were like okay and I don't mean to be cynical I'm just trying to think a little bit practically here Kaylee is 
incredibly like unbelievably wealthy and so I'm sure that um, when it comes to getting married she has to have a bit of planning beforehand so maybe getting married wasn't the end of their actual like marriage negotiations Um, because Mm -hmm. as we're hearing from their split currently is that they had a very long and serious prenup yeah that makes total sense and I feel like I'm writing this setup retroactively knowing that they didn't live together for one year and they only dated for a little bit and then they broke up in 2021 so they've only lived together for two years um this I just feel like it's not a good setup because it was probably you're right prompted by either really intense negotiations on the prenup that probably should have been finished before they were married or that they got married so fast they didn't feel comfortable living together right which is not a do good you sign. think the space negatively affected their relationship i don't know um it could like i don't know if it negatively affected it i wonder if they just like didn't really didn't really know each other and maybe even that extra year like there didn't help that much and then their house was built so they're like oh let's we've been together and then they realized like a lot of couples realize usually before marriage like oh this is not going to work like that's why i know that a lot of people have an issue with this but when you look at the research and you talk to secular couples therapists it's really encouraged to move in with your partner before you get married to make sure that like you can live together that makes sense so i i think maybe it's just another indication that this wasn't a great relationship so the setup isn't great like because it's not like the last couple we looked at um matthew and and sarah like, where they're like, oh, no, 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 like, this works for us. We've, we've been together for 20 years. We really know each other. Like, this is just what we like. Right. It's like, we have a day that long, and now we're married, and, oh, let's just stay in the houses that, like, we already own. Yeah, and honestly, Kaylee, um, when she started Big Bang Theory, she was really, really young. Like, she was my current age, I think, or younger. I'm 22 right now. Um not to call myself like super young or anything but I mean to be in that position that she's in and she's currently only 35 and so Mm -hmm. I think she is has a right to feel really cautious around these relationships but I think the solution to that would be just don't get married that fast (laughs) right just because like you know there's nothing wrong with getting divorced but it is often painful. It's hard and stressful. Hard and strenuous and takes time and money. So it's like, you don't, why get married to someone that you're not sure about? Because you might have to go through that process, right? Versus like getting married because you're like, no, I really think this is going to work out. Like, I don't anticipate this is a lifelong <laughs> type deal. Yeah, exactly. So this is on the lower end of so, the scale. It's on the lower end like maybe a three. Oh, sorry Kaylee it just seems very you're like you're gonna get through this like uncertain very part of a larger negative dynamic right yeah next is Queen Elizabeth II 
and the late Prince Philip. Oh my god, stop. Stop. <laughs> this is fascinating. In this instance, this may be the only uh, instance that this is true. It seems to be a cultural thing. Apparently, it's very common for British aristocracy to have uh, separate rooms. And according to the prince's cousin, Lady Pamela Hicks, quote, In England, the upper class always have had separate bedrooms. When you are feeling cozy, you share your room sometimes. It is lovely to be able to choose. <laughs> Siri, rate that setup. Um, so this actually, again, like with the like with the mar- married couple being together for a really long time, just because it's a cultural thing and a, a tradition, I really don't see anything wrong with it because it's not like they're doing it because, oh, sleeping together doesn't work or we're not comfortable around each other or anything like that. It's like, oh, no, this is like how we've always done it. So we'll just keep doing it. How that. do you think that speaks <laughs> to the cultural of, rela- you know, the cultural impact of rela- on relationships within the British monarchy? Do you feel comfortable to comment on that? Oh, that they're very, like, formal? Yes. <laughs> um, see, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. It feels like a vestige of an older, an older time. Because if you think back, like, obviously we've had the pendulum swing of sexuality throughout history where we've gotten, in all cultures, we've gotten more repressed and less repressed and more repressed but like back in like the victorian period edwardian like people were very very repressed even within families and that's kind of where they like where queen elizabeth ii like that's her origins she's very old so i think just she was born at a time in history where everything was very formal and very repressed and suppressed and in a very formal culture anyway, there was nothing that prompted a change. Um, I don't know who's next in line for the throne because I don't understand the British monarchy at all. But um, <laughs> do you think that they will also have separate rooms even though they are part of the next generation? No. You think they'll share a room? I, do- I think they will share a room. I think this is a remnant from an older generation. Prince Charles is next in line. Prince Charles? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> oh my god. Is that um, I should have looked is into that this. the bald guy? Hang oh on. yes, that's it is the bald it guy. It is, isn't it? it is, it is. Is that I am one hundred percent No, that's William. No. He he's okay. Prince Charles was was born in nineteen forty eight. I'm sure he doesn't share a room with his wife. Um oh. Prince William let's see when he was born. Yes. He is seventy two. So Prince William was born in 1982, and I'm sure that he and his wife share a room. I think it's just that generational gap. That's very interesting. The British monarchy is so fascinating to me. I hope it's not offensive. So rate that setup. Oh, no, wait. Is this offensive? Should you not rate their setup? Oh, God. Oh, I'm just going to rate their setup as like... 10 out of 10. I don't even know if I can. I just... Yeah, I just feel like it's just a remnant of an older time, and it probably doesn't signal anything really, like, negative. It's just like, this is how we do it. <laughs> we'll give them a corgi out of ten. Yeah, give them a corgi. <laughs> Speaking of British royalty, uh, David and Victoria Beckham. <laughs> David Beckham is an English soccer player, and if you know the Spice Girls, you may know Victoria as Posh Spice. 
They have been married for over 20 years and have four kids together. Okay, so another long-term couple. Not only do they have separate beds, they have separate his and her wings in their home. According to reports, each wing has its own kitchen, bedrooms, and courtyard. Siri, write that setup. <laughs> Honestly, like, this kind of is that same situation to me of, like, we've been together for a really long time, we know who we are, and we know what we want, which is, like, really important. Um... And we just like solitude, and we like having our own space. Interesting that I think that here they have, they live in the same house, but they're very clearly like in different like apartments, kind of. Yeah, it, they're I, the fact that they both have their own kitchens and courtyards. Yeah, like mm, not a lot so of crossover. It's kind of like living there. in different houses. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even sort of the same as those townhomes that have, we've been hearing about. Well, the townhomes, I think it is almost the same thing because the townhomes are like, townhomes are touching. Oh, Like yeah. they're connected wall to wall. Yeah, that's true. So I kind of rate this the same, especially because they've been together for a really long time. Their kids are grown, um, I assume. <laughs> I'll give them like a 10 or 9 out of 10 just because, I don't know, like I said, intimacy suffers if you don't see each other very often. But obviously their intimacy is fine, so we've been together for 20 years. Still 9 out of 10. <laughs> 9 out of 10. Excellent. Next. I'll point off just because I can. <laughs> We're in the seat of power now, Beckhams. <laughs> Next is our favorite goop, Gwyneth Paltrow, and her husband, Brad Falchuk. Uh, Gwyneth is an actress and lifestyle guru, and her husband Brad is a TV producer and writer. If you remember the show Glee, he's partly responsible for it, so forward your complaints to him. <laughs> they got married in... I don't think I've ever heard his name before. Um, I'm very into Glee and TV production, so I've heard it a few times. He seems fine. Mm. He seems fine. <laughs> uh, they got married in 2018, but didn't move in together right away. Brad kept his house and spent three nights a week there. Gwyneth also said the move had to be fully approved by her intimacy coach. And also, quote, oh all my God. married friends say the way we live sounds ideal and we shouldn't change a thing. So many red flags. She later <laughs> told Jimmy Fallon in 2019 that they had moved in together, but not any details like if they share a bed or a room. Siri. All right, oh that's God. set up. This doesn't feel good, and <laughs> my tummy hurts. <laughs> um, again with the marriage, but not moving in together right away. Do you know if they got married really fast? Um, you know what? I don't actually know much. I think just judging on who I know is both of them and their characters, I would say yeah. They probably didn't date for very long. I guess that same warning signal of keeping their old houses was interesting to me because I feel like that's kind of a resistance against so like okay diving into theory here there's like reasons that people are afraid of intimacy and one of them is um like merging object self or something like that like it's the fear of merging with someone else and becoming like part of a couple um rather than like your own cohesive being and 
keeping your old house like keeping remnants like that kind of makes me think of like a resistance against what you have to do when you are in a committed relationship with someone which is accepting that yourself is going to merge with their self right. to an extent um what do you how do you feel about uh him needing to be fully approved by her intimacy coach that is definitely the other um warning sign there really i kind of feel like i need an intimacy coach i didn't know that was a thing no (laughs) see i don't like that because you should never like like okay so by the way it's called fear of fusion and fear of object lost that's that's the terms i just looked up the lecture that i gave the other week um so i think with the um with the intimacy coach that gives me bad vibes just because um you shouldn't have another person controlling your actions um if you have a coach or therapist or something they should be there to support you and help you make the decision that's best for yourself but you're still making all of the decisions because as a grown-up you are responsible for your life i hate that i'm responsible (laughs) for anything i know it's not always fun so that's why i don't like the idea of having to be approved by something uh, by someone i don't like the idea of an intimacy coach that seems strange um and maybe also like pathologizing something that doesn't need to be pathologized Mm. if that makes sense that is very Gwyneth Paltrow I don't like I will say yeah and then also her statement that like oh everyone thinks the way we live sounds ideal that just sounds like overcompensating to me that is really just comforting (laughs) yourself I don't like any part of the scenario. I'm going to give it like a two Oof. because at least they did move in together. Love so far, goop. <laughs> Not good. And now, an interesting one because I think uh, these might be the only ones besides Courtney and Scott who did, have not been married, did not get married, uh, Tim Burton and mm-hmm. Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, I I should have guessed that they had something weird going on. Yeah, they were part of Hollywood's favorite thruple for a very long time. Thruple? If you throw a little bit of Johnny Depp in there. Oh my god. Okay, you can't tell me that there was nothing happening between those three. Now that we've (laughs) seen the likes of Taiko Waititi, Rita Ora, and, uh, oh, criminy. What's their girlfriend's name? Tessa Thompson. You cannot tell me. That Johnny Depp didn't have a thing going on with Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Tim Burton is a famous movie director and writer, known for films such as Nightmare Before Christmas, The Corpse Bride, and Sweeney Todd. Helena Bonham Carter is an actress. You know her from playing Bellatrix Lestrange in the Harry Potter series and being in pretty much all of Tim Burton's films. (laughs) I think this is the first couple where I've just been absolutely sure that Siri is well first in these people yeah, i know exactly who they we are. were very yeah. much tim burton harry potter kids hell yeah, yeah. except Although not anymore tim burton is ruined now tim burton sucks i've never actually seen any of the movies you mentioned of his i don't think i've seen i think the only one i've seen is edward scissorhands um i think we saw nightmare before christmas on uh, halloween at some point no, I've definitely never seen it because I, like, started watching it and was like, I don't like it, and then I had to turn it off. I'm going to cut this out of the podcast because I don't want all the people that we did this with to just be called out, but we definitely watched it on a Wednesday night. 
I wasn't always there. Um, Where were you on Wednesday nights? You had parties to go to? You had something better to be? I don't know. I was probably off talking with Pace. <laughs> you guys are so gross. Just go off and get married or something. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, they got together somewhere around 2001, I think, and split in 2014 and never got married. While they were together, they revealed they lived in adjoined homes in London and had separate rooms. Helena said that part of it is that Tim snores. Quote, Tim does snore, and that's an element. We've tried lots of remedies that don't work. He has a deviated septum and doesn't want an operation. Siri, rate that setup. <laughs> Honestly, that seems like a very reasonable reason not to sleep together. Is like a medical issue like that. Or like if someone had sleep apnea and needed to sleep with a CPAP right. like I can totally see not being able to sleep with that noise or even just like the equipment um, interesting though that they solved that not by having separate rooms but actually having adjoined homes which adds another yes level of that separation. does imply sort of like the town home separate wing situation yeah so it's like it's like well you can't say that the reason that you're sleeping apart is that he snores if you're not actually just sleeping apart you're actually living separately so i find that sus <laughs> do you think it means anything that they never got married about like not that the relationship was any less serious or anything but just sort of that they weren't planning for that kind of a future no, I just because I think based on who they are that like marriage was never going to be an option yeah. for them. Like 13 years is a it's a long time. Yeah, I mean that's like a committed relationship obviously like it was cl as close to marriage like there are other couples on the list this list who actually did get married or married for a very long time and never lived together but I feel like they didn't give excuses like oh, it's the snoring, they were just straight up about like, no, this is who we are as people and this is the situation that works for us. I do like that. They are very eccentric individuals, so I can see this sort of situation working for them. Yeah, which is why I would feel, I would actually feel much more convinced that this is just like, oh, this works for us, if she hadn't then tried to make that excuse. Well, she said part of it, right? Part of it is It's an snoring. element. She said it's an element an element i don't know interesting that she said that feels like maybe over justification i'll give it like a you can get earplugs <laughs> my dear yeah also there's no there's no need to over there's no need to justify like sleeping apart right or there's no need to justify living apart really at all even it seems fishy. It seems sus. I'm going to give it like a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. <laughs> Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. All in all, I'd say this kind of makes sense. A lot of yeah. unorthodox living situations in here, but I think I also forget, you know, I don't um, have these people's money. And if I did, I can't say that I wouldn't <laughs> be just flinging it about on a gigantic man cave for me. You know, full of craft projects and fizzy drinks and an ice machine. Like, I would love that. That's the thing, though, is, like, I do find this really interesting because if I was, like, super rich, like, 
I think you're right. I would want like a man cave type thing. Like a space for my own that has everything that I like that like maybe Pace doesn't like as much. Like a lazy boy. <laughs> which I love and Pace All is my like, favorite mm. snacks. Um Yeah, but like I wouldn't buy a separate house from Pace. No. It would be it, like no. It would be like the basement, space. yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So that's interesting. I don't know if it's just, I think maybe it, the money enables them to make that choice of like, we'll be in separate houses. But I wonder if there's actually a lot of couples who aren't that rich and do live together now, who do wish that they could live in separate houses um, because it would work for them, but they just don't have like the financial means. Right. Hmm. Especially if you're so getting- do a study on that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Cause especially if you're getting together later in life and you've already fully established yourself as an independent yes. adult, like that is hard to mesh that with an entire other person and fit both of your fully combined lives into one house. This, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up Teen Mom because I love Teen Mom. So this is something that like one of the Teen Moms has talked about because she's I think like 29 now and has four children and is not with any of the baby dads. And she has been open that like if she does get into another relationship that's long-term or a marital relationship or whatever, um, that they are going to have, like, they're going to have separate houses. Like, they're never going to move in together. Because she's like, I have created this life for myself since I was 16 with the first baby. Um, when I kind of became an adult. And everything is the way I want it. And I just am not willing to compromise with someone else on that level. Um, even if I do fall in love with someone else. So I think that's also, like, just kind of... You're right, like, when you get to a point in your life where, like, no, I'm comfortable with the way I'm living. I'm not going to change it for someone else. Yeah, I find that totally understandable, especially when you have kids. They are already living, you have your routine, they're living a life with you, and to throw a wrench into that for a relationship that, not to be cynical, might not work out, you know, your relationship with your kids has to work out. (laughs) You always have to be in your kids' lives. You don't always have to be in your partner's life, and it may not work out. And so to what's interesting though is is it is would that prevent it from working out or is it just an individual thing of like you need to find someone else who also doesn't this is what I'm wondering too though because we have these couples who've been together for many years and they work out living apart so I think you just have to have two people Mm -hmm. who both want that like separation from each other yeah it makes sense to have a chance of working out and then there's people who think the opposite way and they want immediately to blend families and maybe to only date other people with kids, for example, and work on yeah. it from that sort of angle of things. I think it just, yeah, it depends on the person. Well, I think that's also, that's also an individual thing is like, and wanting someone who's like you, right? So like if you both have, like if you have kids, someone else who has kids is probably going to be more similar to you than someone else who is maybe in their 30s or 40s and doesn't have and have a more similar schedule than to you (laughs) yeah and maybe the same values of like children are important that kind of thing same priorities your own children yes well even if the priority then extends to like the children like our children like the priority still is understood by both parties to be the children exactly and that is so important i feel like especially when it comes to 
you know, if you ever split, especially when it comes to divorces, being in custody, you need to be able to keep yourself together and be civil. Um, and we talked about this a little bit with working together as well. We you did, do need to hold yeah. yourself together and be a grown up and be mature and be patient and understanding. And I think it builds a certain level of empathy and maturity. Well, we talked about this with one of our couples, I can't remember, maybe it was our age gap couples, I can't remember, where they had a nasty custody Sandra Bullock situation. and Jesse James. Was that what it was? Yes. Yeah, and, and like one of the parents didn't get custody and it was just, it was not a good situation. Yeah, and to me, I felt like that was totally unfair and you know how I feel about Jesse James, especially after that episode. I, I yeah. still think that that was... Uh, very unfair to him and at you know more importantly it was very unfair to his son who is now just not gonna have the option to have his father in his life and it's not like he got a say in it it's not like he got to say no I do want to have a relationship with my father yeah so that is very Mm -hmm. disappointing I'm curious though how they like I, I don't like with with like David and Victoria Beckham like did they live together when their kids were little? How does this work when you have small children, like dependent children, but yeah. you're the type of people that want to live apart? That is interesting, because as we saw with Courtney and Scott, you know, <laughs> that was their solution was, well, if yeah. you're having trouble sleeping with the kids, then you go sleep somewhere else, and I will form a bond with the kids. Right. But, like... I don't know. I'm curious. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if maybe it it couldn't work with dependent children or very young children. Yeah, and I'm also... Maybe you have to wait until your kid's older or decide not to have kids. Yeah, and you know, Kaylee and Carl didn't have any kids. A few of them didn't have kids. I'm also very fascinated, yeah. once again, with the British monarchy and how that worked out with raising their kids. Oh, well, with that, though... They were just in separate rooms, and I'm sure their children had their own rooms, of too. Of course. So it's like, that's the thing is, like, I think it could work if you had, if you were like, oh, yeah, I want separate bedrooms. Like, obviously, that's totally fine because your kids will still be in your house. It's when you get the separate houses that I'm like, yeah. okay. It does fascinate me, though, the, like, the separate rooms because, you know, when I was a kid and I wanted, I, you know, I got up in the night or I had a bedroom or something, I was just stressed, I would go into you know, my parents' room, my mom and dad, and I would get them. When you live in a home where you are in your own room and your mother is in her own room and your father is in his own room, what room do you go to? Oh, you'll go to the parent who's taking care of you. So, like, like, it's so funny. I assume that just, like, if um, one parent spends more time with the kid especially if it's a young kid they probably go to that parent so like you know if it's stayed if it's a stay-at-home mom situation they'll go to mom if it's a stay-at-home dad situation they'll go to dad like young kids are not very cognitively developed right. when it comes to things like that yeah that, that's fair <laughs> but then like with that situation like one parent gets to sleep <laughs> damn it <laughs> seriously make sure you're not the uh the well-liked <laughs> So that was interesting. Yeah, this one was an interesting one. What a good time. And now we have, we came up with a lot of ideas in the middle there for whole episodes just based on TV shows and the couples that went on behind the scenes. I really am excited though, especially for Glee now that we talked about Brad Falchuk. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be fun. Awesome. Hopefully next time your mouth will have 
you know, a few less holes in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to go drink a smoothie <laughs> and go to sleep, honestly. <laughs> well, oh, thank I'm you excited. all for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you. Bye.